You're listening to Dr. Ward Bond's Life-Changing Wellness, the fastest-growing natural health, nutrition, and inspiration podcast in the nation. Uplifting stories, powerful messages, and triumph over adversity, the experience of entertainment and encouragement is about to begin. And now your host, Dr. Ward Bond. I'm Dr. Ward Bond, and I welcome you to another episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Today's episode is brought to you by Prevagen, America's number one brain health supplement. Go to Prevagen.com to learn more about improving your memory. Prevagen, the name to remember. Now, before we begin, please head over to iTunes after the interview with my guest today. Rate and review the show for me, and I thank you ahead of time for making our show great. Well, my guest today is Tori Martin, and her musical influences are gospel, R&B, and pop. And Tori has already achieved success on the Texas country music charts. She was a contestant on season 14 of American Idol. And in 2015, she was nominated New Female Vocalist of the Year by the Texas Regional Radio Music Awards in 2017. And her current single, What Would Dolly Do?, which was released nationally to country radio and hit number 15 on the Texas Regional Radio chart. It is currently climbing up the Music Road chart, so keep your eye out on that. And Tori and her husband founded Revolution 13 to raise money to help young people dealing with suicidal thoughts, depression, bullying, or drug and alcohol abuse, which is part of our discussion today. So ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome recording artist Tori Martin to the show. Welcome, Tori. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I, I want to kind of kick this off because uh, every once in a while, I I talk to somebody who took the step of faith to try out for American Idol, and so since you were one of those that actually did that and was on season fourteen, could you kind of share with all of us who have watched the show and kind of wondered how the process works? What was your experience like on American Idol? Sure. It was absolutely crazy and surreal. It's like, pinch myself, am I dreaming? Is this really happening right now? It's It totally feels like that. So I wasn't planning on going uh, to try out for American Idol. I, like you were, wow, that intro, by the way, was insane. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I was doing pretty well in the Texas market and I got invited to do an audition. And so I thought, well, well, why not? I mean, if they say no, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. And they say yes, who knows? So I went and it was in New Orleans. So I'm from Texas. So I had quite a bit of a hike from my little small town. And I auditioned for Harry Connick Jr., which that was his hometown, and Keith Urban and Jennifer Lopez. And honestly, it just was like stars in my eyes. I was good at yeah, because I was going to ask you who the judges were that year. Um, you know, because I still, re- you know, I still remember the days of Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul and Randy Jackson, and oh, those are the golden and, days. Yeah, and then now I believe it's with Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan. And so you kind of fell into that that middle one, and I think out of the three, boy, the, yeah, I mean, which one intimidated you the most? Um, it's tough to say because it was kind of a tie between Harry and Keith. Keith, because I'm in country music and I I really wanted to impress him, but Harry's a little more music 
theory driven and a little yeah. more like the Simon <laughs> Cowell, you know, he was oh, critical. Oh yeah. Wow. You know, because it's funny because I know with the, the current list of judges, I always look at the one that would be probably scarier would be Lionel Richie because, you know, those kind of people know music on a much deeper level. Like, you know, like you said, Harry Connick Jr. knows when it comes to music theory, I was surprised that you didn't say Jennifer Lopez because you being a film, female artist, I didn't know if that would be in, intimidating, but it was actually the other two. I was surprised. Yeah. The, I kind of have my eyes set on hoping to impress them the most. It's funny because Jennifer wasn't really anything like what I expected. You know, she kind of, comes across with like this big bubbly personality and, and she really wasn't that. And my, I was like, Oh man. So it was kind of a letdown. I was like, well, maybe it's put on, you know, I don't know. Well, did you, did you get three yeses? I did. And I got a golden ticket and I went to the Hollywood round. So I got to that craziness and then I ended up getting cut out there, but I, I was proud well, of during he- for Well, did you get, moment. well, did you get cut during hell week? Yes, during the Hollywood craziness. See, I don't like Hell Week. I think for some, it puts some of the the better singers, depending on the group that they get stuck in, at a disadvantage. And I never, I never really liked that segment. Even when Simon was was doing it in the early years, that segment of the whole show, I never really liked because to me, some some really good ones got kicked off for no reason yeah you know, so. i think that aspect of it is more of the tv element versus yeah. the music because it makes good drama now i will say <laughs> all that is not fake i mean you genuinely don't get to sleep and it's it's so stressful like it's really hard to even explain the amount of stress and when you watch it from your tv you're like how could she forget the lyrics it's like okay she had five <laughs> minutes of maybe sleeping and wow. out with these people. So it's like, yeah, she probably, you would probably forget the lyrics if you barely slept as well, you know? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, you know, I feel sorry for the ones that forget the lyrics because, you know, some people know how to handle a stressful situation like that because some of them know how, because, you know, they've already, maybe they've already performed before, you know, groups of people and others who basically just stepped out and never performed in front of anyone in their whole entire life. They have a great voice, but it's a whole new ball game. And then the stress level just goes to a whole nother level. But so since you, since you, uh, didn't make it past hell week, how does that work when you, you, you go audition for American Idol you don't make it to the the big TV portion of you know you know with the top what is it the, what do they start off with now the top twenty or the top fifteen maybe, yeah. and before the eliminations. So how does that work it within your career? I mean, is it a is it kind of a plus or does it become a minus in some ways? It's totally a plus. Um, I'm actually glad the way that it went down and where I came off the show. I feel like it helped benefit my career in a lot of ways, but I'm so glad that I didn't get too mixed into it, that I'm, I have freedom and I can do what I want to and be my own person. If that makes sense. 
Oh, no, completely makes sense. So, you know, from the very beginning, how did you get into singing and uh, performing? And uh, what were some of the first songs that you sang? So I was introduced to country music through my papa. He's now in heaven, but he loved country music. And so he raised me on the classics of country. And one of the first songs I learned was Stand By Your Man, which is made famous by Tammy Wynette. <laughs> wow. And I would sing that around his record player. And so, you know, he introduced me to Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton and, and just instilled this great love for country music in me. And he always encouraged me to pursue my dreams. He, he always would tell me, you can do it. And He's like, sing for Pawpaw Girl. So that's definitely who has inspired me from the beginning to follow my dreams. And at the age of 14, I was, I know it sounds cliche, but I was singing in the church choir. And it just so happened that this church that I was at, the sound engineer was a Grammy award winning producer. Wow. And he was like, Hey, you got some raw talent kid. And so I started working with him and he gave me a lot of, uh, my back work and teaching me music theory and I was going to vocal lessons so I could be classically trained and singing in the studio. And, and then at the age of 16, I recorded my first EP in Nashville and then I got into the music business and I started touring. Wow. So then, you know, how, then so then what happened at the very beginning when you, you know, it sounds like you were on the fence about actually going to audition for American Idol. Why did you not almost do it, but then decided to do it anyway? Well, at that point I was 19. So I had been working, uh, the Texas and Southwest region, um, of the country music scene. And I was doing really well. And so I was just kind of torn. Um, I could go on the show and it could be huge and beneficial. It could help me go to the next level like I've dreamed of or it could not. And so I just wasn't sure if I wanted to take the risk at first, but I finally decided to just go for it. Well, then when when you got cut off Hell Week, not to bring up American Idol again, but did it hurt your pride in any way? Cause you know, some, some people, they get hurt by it so much that uh, they just kind of walk away from music when technically they need to keep pushing on. Oh yeah. I mean, there's so many people that my friends that I made while I was out there, they're not in music anymore. It's, it's rough. It's really, it's hard to talk about cause you have to just be there. You have to experience it, you know, and that's the hard thing about it is it is t television intertwined with music. So yeah, there are people that are going in there thinking this is their one and only shot. And then when it doesn't work out, they just give up. And it was really oh, hard. Wow. I, uh, was very discouraged when I came off the show. I was of course heartbroken. I, I really wanted to go further than I did. But, you know, sometimes we can't, We well, we can't. We don't see the bigger picture and we don't see where we're headed. So it could feel like the end of the world in a moment, but it's really not. It's it's a door shut to a bigger and maybe a better door opening. Yeah, you know, I, you know what, I've watched the show for years and and, and I, sometimes I watch it for, for different reasons. And, and it always hurt to see people go through rejection. And, and I'm not even talking about walking in front of the three judges. I'm talking about once they get the golden ticket and then they get up 
where it it's really it's really getting stressful and important but then they they get rejected and sometimes it's over something dumb in 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 my book but like you said it's it's television people need to realize it's it's television entertainment and that's basically their number one goal overall but when somebody gets rejected some people just kind of hang on to it too deeply like it's almost like do you feel that for some of the people that got rejected that they just felt so deeply embarrassed of ever trying out for the first time and, and wishing that they didn't even do it? Sure. I mean, some people, I think, have that mentality. I think it, it doesn't serve you as well if you go with that, but it, it's hard to decide to be like, I'm going to use this and catapult from this experience. Yeah, and you know, I think you're one of the rare ones because for a lot of people, if you fall off the horse, just get right back on it. Don't worry about what other people said. You know, the three judges are not the final answer to your destiny. It is just a a point in time, and I think some people take that too far too seriously when they should just discount it. Hey, you know, I went on there, I tried out, it didn't work out for me, but I'm going to keep pushing on. And I think that's what most people need to realize. They need to keep positive and just not dwell on something like that because in a way it's kind of trivial. Oh yeah. It's, it's a part of your story and whichever way it plays out, if that's huge or if that's small, it's still a part of your journey. Yeah. Because if you become successful after the rejection, she can always look back on it and laugh. So, you know, for a lot of people, they may just need to, to kind of take that, uh, that attitude with it. So let me ask you, because you, you're also a songwriter and how did you get into writing songs? Uh, which for a lot of people, um, it's easy. And then for others, they just kind of, you know, kind of stumble across that type of talent. How did you come across it? So when I first got into the music industry, there was beginning to be a shift in country music. You typically used to just cut songs. And so I thought that that was all that I would, I could do. And there's not absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's so many incredible songwriters who need their songs cut and artists give uh, life and voice to those songs. But Taylor Swift started in country music and she was about 16 and writing songs pretty close to like my, um, my life at that time and relatable. So I thought, well, Taylor can write songs. Well, why can't I? And another person in my life, I consider them a mentor. Um, his name is Billy Herzig and he had some hit songs in the eighties with country music. And I met him through my church too, <laughs> which sounds so funny. But um, his sister sang in the choir with me, so I'm not making it up, y'all. No, no, no. I think, you know, let me tell you something, Tori. I talk to a lot of musicians, a lot of recording artists, and it is amazing that how many of them come out of church from either singing the, a church special on a Sunday morning or being part of the choir, uh, maybe being one of the musicians in, in the, the, the church band or whatever. But that is probably one of the best places for people to really cut their teeth, hone their skills and keep going. And it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's definitely nothing to, um, you know, it's not nothing to be embarrassed about at all. 
Um, I think, you know, it's that it's just part of the music business and that's probably more people probably started in church than any other place. Oh, definitely. 1000%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I, and you know, so I find it really interesting that you're, you know, you've come across a couple of the mentors that helped you that actually came through church. Yes. You know, so when it comes to writing songs, so you had somebody that was there that kind of showed you what it was all about? Definitely. So Billy showed me, you know, how do you write a song? What makes a song good? How do you craft this? Uh, What's your rhyme scheme? What's the lyrical content? You know, just kind of helped me pave the way at a young age. And so he was writing the little girly boppy songs that started out with me first. So I, I thank him for that you know, for going through that phase with me. And then he kind of evolved. And so we still write together even now. He's, he lives in Texas. I live in Nashville, but we still connect and collaborate. But he taught me so much. Wow. So kind of walk all of us through, for all of us that being fans of music, you know, walk us through a typical writing session. Well, in 2020, it's probably virtual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Zoom is the deal, isn't it? Yes. And it's kind of weird. It's, It's hard when it's Zoom because I feel like you need to have that there's like a little bit of magic that happens when you're in the room and it's really hard to explain. You just kind of have to experience it. And so it can be a little weird or it could be a little stiff trying to get that through the interweb and a guitar lagging or, you know, just technical issues that happen all the time. And, uh, it's just every, every writing session is different. It's really hard for me to explain, but typically they have are co-written, um, and you go into a room with probably, uh, yourself and two other writers it's typically how it goes these days. And it could be written with tracks. Somebody could have a track that started and it's like a beat and it's got music, but no lyrics or melodies. Or it could be completely opposite where it's just you and a guitar with your co-writers and you guys are writing from scratch. And sometimes you come in with an idea and sometimes you don't. And sometimes you come in with an idea and you write the opposite. It's just, it's all so different. Every time is different. Yeah. You know, I always love talking to people who actually write songs because it is amazing how the art of writing is so different with so many different songwriters and artists. I mean, you, you know, Lennon and McCartney were were probably one of the most famous songwriting pairs, but I think the most interesting one was Elton John and Bernie Taupin because Bernie would write the words and then he would just hand them over to Elton and Elton would sit down at the piano, look at the words, and then he would create the music and Bernie would have no clue how the song would ever come out. And which is which is really different. And then I hear songwriters say, oh yeah, I wrote that song in five minutes. And then I'd hear someone tell me, well, I wrote that song. It, it, it took me a month to finally get that song written because I got stuck on one line and I couldn't figure it out. And it finally came to me. So I always find it very interesting with songwriters and how they write songs. And of course, you know, some people just get an idea pops in their head and others, it, it can be a life experience. Uh, for you, is it kind of like both anywhere from just an idea popping up in your head for, for a great song or 
even a life experience? For me, it would primarily be life experience. And then sometimes you do get an idea like, hey, that'd be kind of fun. I should write that or, but it's typically like what the life you walk, like the path you take. And for me, it's more real. It's more genuine that way too. Well, what's, what is the, what is your favorite song that you've written so far and why? What comes to mind is Caged Bird. And that was released before I moved to Nashville. And I wrote it with Billy Herzig. And we were talking about kind of my American Idol journey. And when I came off the show, it was kind of tough for me just to jump back. I felt a lot of uh, discouragement, just things that I had to kind of work through. And there were like legalities and just things I couldn't perform. There was just a lot. And it was a lot to process at the ripe age of 19. (laughs) (laughs) And so I um, actually, I couldn't perform. And I had bad writer's block because I just felt a lot of stress. And I went up to my apartment. I was living in downtown Fort Worth. And there was a girl playing, um, it's at a place called Fred's. It's a little burger joint, but they have a stage and it's outdoors. So you can hear it and it just like fills up the whole downtown almost just that area where I was living and I could hear her singing. And I was at the top of, uh, my apartment. I was like, man, I'm like, I just wish I was her so bad. Like, I just wish I could be on stage and sing and I couldn't. And I had, like, I just was so stuck. I couldn't write. I couldn't do anything. And all of a sudden, I got this melody in my head. And I got this idea. And I was like, I don't want to be a caged bird. Because I felt like that in my apartment, listening to her, you know, do her thing. And so I wrote that song with Billy. And it's my favorite song. And it's so powerful. And it's so much deeper than even just that. I mean, it speaks to so many different parts of my life where I felt like I was trapped or I couldn't get break free. And so uh, it's a very special song to me. Wow. I, I love that story because I can, I can picture, you know, you, you hearing the, you hearing that girl sing and then, you know, and it's weird. There's always that time in life when it's, it's just that moment, that uh, catalyst, that finally lets us, you know, get out of the cage. Because the thing is, is I always tell people, you know, if you're in a cage, you need to remember something. There's not a lock on the door. All you have to do is push it open. Mm -hmm. That cage is something that we create and it could be a situation. It could be the stress of American idol that, that creates a situation, but it's up to us to just push the door open because no one's put a lock on it. And, uh, man, I, I love that story. I love that story. Now tell me about your current single. What would Dolly do? How did that, where did the inspiration come from? Yeah, so I'm really excited about what would Dolly do. I am a diehard Dolly Parton fan. I have <laughs> loved her for forever. And I've always sang like her song, like covered her songs, like Jolene and I Will Always Love You, 9 to 5 in my show. And everyone's like, Tori, you got to write a, a song for Dolly or about Dolly. And I'm like, you guys, that's just too much pressure like she's the queen of country music I was like no way no way no way and so I've just kind of had that on the back burner of my brain but I went to Dollywood for the very first time and I saw these handwritten letters from Dolly to her parents 
they were in her museum. And so the first letter was when she was about 16 or 17 and she was moving away. And, you know, she's like, I just don't know. I'm sure miss you guys. If I made, I don't think I made the right decision. I'm thinking I want to come home. And then the next letter shows like some progression. And she's like, I'm, I think I'm set, I'm settling in here and there's some people interested in my song. So don't worry about me. I'm going to be all right. And then you see letters where she meets Porter Wagner. And it was just so inspiring to me because I think we forget too often that stars or icons, whatever you want to call them, have humble beginnings. They all started somewhere and probably just like you. And so I just kind of, it struck a chord with me. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what would Dolly do if she were in my shoes? And so I love that. Well, has Dolly heard it? She hasn't heard it yet. We're working on it. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've also filmed a, a music video to go with the song. What was that like? Oh, my goodness. So much fun. Recorded it here in Nashville at a place called Selfie Scene. So it's a bunch of different sets and so many different looks and makeup and wigs. Glitter, ah. Glamour. I mean... Yes, it was a blast and also exhausting. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I mean, and so for all of us that don't understand how a music video is actually done, how many times did you have to sing the song? Oh, gosh. I mean, I lost <laughs> count after 30. Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, you sing wow. it so many times. So many times. Now, do you have to sing it from beginning to end, or do they tell you, well, start with, start with this verse, or, or you just have to sing it all the way through, so that, that way they can match up the audio and the video? Yes, typically beginning to end. This one, there were some sections where I did get to just sing, like, the verse, or because I did a different look, but mostly all the way through. Wow. You know, I always heard, you know, people say, oh, yeah, we had to sing this song five or six times. But to, to me, I'm like, no, you're probably singing it way more than that. So when you say 30, yeah, that I completely believe because especially if you're in a, on a set or the video itself where, like you said, the outfits are changing, the sets are changing. So it's done over and over again. And what, how long did it take you to film it all? Five hours. That's all? Really? Wow. Right, I would figure it a couple of days. We were right. <laughs> Typically people take a full day or two days, but we only had a, this window of time since it was at a, a venue, we only had a certain window of time. So that's when I, when I said it was exhausting, it was nuts. It was like, oh my gosh, on craziness, Red Bulls, like it was, it was not, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> wow. Well, let, let me bring up Revolution 13. Uh, tell us what that is all about. Sure. So Rev 13 is a program that my husband and I put together um, and we actually call it the reflect tour when we go to schools. But basically what we do is we go into public schools, typically middle schools and high schools, but primarily high schoolers. And we talk to them about, you know, suicidal thoughts, battling depression, the legacy you leave behind, drug and alcohol abuse. And it's really, we bring it in a different way than just like your, you know, the standard way of just showing them slides or something like that. Right. We uh, bring it with music. 
because music is so powerful and breaks all barriers. And I share my story with them. And then another friend is a part of it. His name's Bronson Chadwick, and he's an illusionist. And so he is so cool. He's all, we also call him a comedian. He's not a comedian. He's just funny. And the, the kids <laughs> love him, but he does tricks. And so basically he does illusions for the, for all the students to show them how drugs and alcohol, when they're obviously used incorrectly, they, it's all a great illusion. And wow. So, well, 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 let me back up here. What is your story that you tell them? Yeah, sure. So, um, for me, there was a time in my life where I, um, was very depressed and battled suicidal thoughts and I was being bullied really bad at school and I didn't have a great home life. And so I just really felt stuck. I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't really have like a, a happy place, so to speak. And for me, I ended up finding myself in music and finding freedom there. And so I share that with the kids and finding your purpose. And, you know, I always tell them, I wish I had something like this when I was their age so I could reach out because I felt so alone and, and it's so sad, but like the suicide rate for teens, preteens is so high these days. And we're talking like 12 year olds. And yeah, it's very high. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media. It's so true. And, and it was just coming around when I was being bullied, like my space. Okay. was the hottest thing. And, and there was cyber bullying and, and it's really tough when you feel like you can't escape that. And so I really like to talk, I like to share my story with that. And I do talk about my home life because that is also relatable. And I ended up having, um, the person who was bullying me did come back later in my life and apologize to me. And I think part of that is because I never acted out and back towards them as much as I wanted to. And, and a lot of times, you know, they don't like to hear that because they're like, no, you don't understand. I, I should pick on them. And I didn't do that. And so I just kind of share my story with them about that and how I'm friends with that person today. And I found out that they were bullying me because things were bad at home for them. And I'm just, you just never know what the person next to you is going through. And so you should just be kind to everybody. Wow. That, you know, that is something we never really think about. And if somebody is being a bully, what is driving them to be that way? Cause there's going to be a problem. So, you know, they're learning that behavior or they're lashing out in that behavior for a reason. And for someone to come back to you and actually apologize, that's rare. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Were you shocked? Oh yeah. I mean, I couldn't believe it because the girl basically tormented me like forever. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, wow. oh my God. Sounds like an episode of Mean Girls. Oh, seriously. But so bad. So horrible. You know, and I struggled for a while with um it kind of made me have like some social anxiety. Like I used to be afraid to, to go to the grocery store in my hometown because I thought they might be there and they might try to hurt me or something. And so I've had to kind of break those tendencies, those thoughts. It's like, no, like you don't have to be afraid, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, boy, I mean, bullying, bullying goes so deep. So how can all of my listeners 
learn more about Revolution 13 as well as tapping into your music? Yeah, so make sure you go to my website, thetorymartin.com. Unfortunately, with um, the crazy year that we had of 2020, um, we weren't able to do a whole lot with Rev 13. So we're going to be doing a reboot and uh, fingers crossed that we can do it again in 2021. Oh, fantastic. And hopefully touring will resume in 2021, correct? Oh man, I would definitely love that. But I do have a lot of cool virtual things planned um, even if that doesn't happen. So make sure you follow me on socials at Tori Martin official. So you can stay up to date with that. And my website, I do have a newsletter. If you want to join in, it's free. And that way you know what's going on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, connect with Tori online. So in, in social media, follow her, go to her website, Check out her new single, What Would Dolly Do? And we should all believe that Dolly Parton will hear that song. And and who knows, Tori, maybe you and Dolly could end up doing a duet together. Who knows? That'd be kind of cool. I would love it. (laughs) (laughs) And nothing better than finally meeting, uh, you know, your idol or in this case a musical idol and you know things happen so we're going to believe for you that that's going to come to pass and ladies and gentlemen also to check out revolution 13 like tori said they're going to be doing a reboot people need help in the areas of suicide suicidal thoughts depression look it all comes down to one thing it is just simply be kind to other people. Whatever you say as a kind word or a smile, it could make their day. It could change their life. So again, check out Tori Martin. Check out her music. Go online. Again, follow her. And like I always like to do to support all of our recording artists, buy their music. Don't just listen to it for free. Buy the music because there are people behind the artist that put all of these things together and it is a big tight community and remember music is there to make memories for all of us fans so keep that in mind so again tori thank you so much for sharing us with your time on life-changing wellness and i look forward to having you back in the future oh yeah thank you so much for having me on Oh, you're very, very welcome. And ladies and gentlemen, remember to catch every episode of Life-Changing Wellness. Just hit subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. And if I can ask you a favor, please take 30 seconds and rate the show on iTunes. Thank you for doing that for me as we want to bring you the best show possible. And look up Dr. Bond's Life-Changing Wellness on any streaming service. And you can learn more about me at drwardbond.com. Thank you for listening to Life-Changing Wellness, and we are known as a different kind of wellness show. And remember, something spectacular happens when you treat your body, your mind, and your soul right. Have a blessed day, everyone.